This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. What's up, people? It's me, Ramon. Welcome to the podcast that will entertain, educate, and inform you. Grab a ball and get ready for this serving of cornbread and caviar. So welcome to another episode of Let Me Say This. I'm your host, Tony Crystal Walker. And today we are doing a um, a combo podcast with one of my friends, uh, King Ramon, who is the producer of Cornbread and Caviar. Ramon, you doing good, man? Yes. How are you, Tony? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm hot as shit, but I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Best way to get cool is to cool off with a nice beverage. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it. And we also have our special guest, um, you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Carl Hatcher. Hi, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a joint venture between, let me say this, and um, Conrad and Caviar. Uh, Ramon, talk, talk, tell my audience a little bit about your show, because we're going to do this in some duality, so I'll do the same for you. So go ahead. Oh, absolutely. So Cornbread and Caviar is a podcast that will educate, entertain, and inform, right? So we talk about a lot of issues that affect the African-American community, especially like the stuff that's going on right now. But then we also talk about fun things or things that are applicable. Like we talk about credit, personal finance, things like that. But we talk about fun shit too. So it's always a bag of tricks on Cornbread and Caviar, but we're pretty consistent. <laughs> we have a really good time. We got to, you know, people like our show, so I'm happy. Well, I listen. I'm listening to your show now, and I, and what I like, what I've heard so much so far, I do like. Um, you know, I, I I think because I know you, and I know you <laughs> know your little proclivity, so it's it's been pretty good. Um, so for so for Ramon's audience, I actually have two podcasts. I have Same Crap Different Day, which is an ensemble cast, kind of like your your podcast. So you have two hosts on there as well. Yeah, and uh, and like both both of these people on my podcast are really good friends and we kind of talk a lot and I find myself like well let me say this well let me it's all right shit let me just go ahead and start me another podcast Carl let me say this so that's what we're doing Carl you playing hide and seek kind of (laughs) I am (laughs) not I am so sorry here I am I am so sorry could just be a connectivity issue yeah just all right so today um Ramon wanted to talk about uh, so let, we cannot forget to talk about uh, what's going on right now, especially with the thing with uh, George Floyd and all the pro- protests that are going on. I mean, that is like Can on the top of everybody's list. And then, of course, we still live in the coronavirus, which is another fucking problem. <laughs> this is really but, uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. Let's so get- today, what, what? Tell me what you want to talk about today. Well, we are well. Uh, we we can definitely start, if you don't mind we can start talking about the whole protests and coronavirus but then I think that that'll kind of give us a good segue right into um, interracial dating how does that work in today's world right that's pretty interesting how does interracial dating work in today's world especially with everything that's going on so yeah but I think okay so shout so out y'all are in, y'all are in Detroit right about the y'all in Detroit yeah I am yes yeah. All right. So tell me what it's, what it's like there on the ground in Detroit. 
Did you want to take that one, Ron? You want me to go? or Yeah, you go ahead, because you're closer to it than I. Uh, so it is, it's a funny situation, right? Because we are experiencing protests and, you know, uh, that influence of the fight. But there's not been a real actual incident here that's, that's, that's like driving it. So um, what I've found is that it's, there's a lot of reasons pushing individuals for protest here. Um, and what it sounds like is that not all individuals even share the same like fight or what they're fighting for. Um, but the overall theme is still black lives matter because you see the signs everywhere, but you know, it's just, I think I don't, I don't know that there is some true like guidance or if it is, it's just, you know, being very, it, it's just kind of clandestine at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would agree because, <clears throat> and you got people out there like me, for example, I'm very angry. I am extraordinarily hurt. Like literally <clears throat> even thinking about George Floyd lying on the ground, it makes me feel emotional just talking about it because I couldn't imagine having the knee of someone who doesn't value my life in my neck. And I'm saying I can't breathe and right. it just broke the life out of me. And it's the same thing with, you know, uh, Eric Garner, same thing, you know, I can't breathe. And so it hurts me so badly to feel like I'm not valued. So looking at the larger scheme of things, I would love to be out there protesting. I mean, like I said on the podcast recently, I would prefer to get the fucking black Panther movement back. And then we handle our own inside our own communities. And then we handle them outside of our communities that hurt us. And what they do to us, we do back to them. So my thing is the part of your body that you injured us with, that's the part we cut off. So your knee will be cut off. And then we do the same thing to you and then until you pass away. So then that's fair. So now we had eye for an eye. That's just how I feel on the inside. I'm not I'm just telling you my anger level. That's where I right, feel right. angry. Because the thing about it is our people have been so conditioned to we feel hurt first, but then our hurt turns immediately into anger because we don't have a healthy way to exercise and we don't know which channels to go through to make our voices heard. And I'm still learning. Now I'm forced to learn what to do to make sure my voice is heard. I am knocking on the doors of my politicians and say, hey, you got put in office. My vote counts. Get your ass up and do something now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm angry. And I'm trying, and I'm trying not to protest because I can't really go out and protest. A because I could get hurt by the cops, and you know, what I'm saying that's one thing, but that's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing is there's still coronavirus out there, and I don't want to die. So it's like it's a lot of factors that keep me from being out there protesting mm-hmm. on the front line, but I can still do some work not on the front lines. Like I'll be volunteering to call for the Democratic Party to make sure people are registered to vote and make sure they're going to get to the polls. I'm starting to do that this coming Sunday and I'll be doing that Saturday and Sunday going forward until we get the fucking Trump out of, the fucking Trump out of office. That fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so let, let me ask you all this. So Carl, how old are, how old are you if you don't mind me asking? Uh, just hit the big three five. So old Ramon. I, I called him old. I'll be 38 in November on Thanksgiving, okay. actually. Okay, cool. So I'm like, I'm like Carl Reverse. So I'm 53. And so like, I look at this from a different, I look at this from a different perspective than a lot of people, especially a lot of younger people. And Carl brought up something that's <clears throat> been kind of prescient to my thought process about who do we look to for leadership? And one of the criticisms that I have about the BLM movement is that it is, it is decentralized. 
So like there is no real leadership. And so like people are doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Like just to show you how fucked up how fucked up that is, you know, BLM was started by uh, some uh, queer women of color and a queer man. Well, the BLM, the original BLM chapter in Birmingham was homophobic as fuck. And I'm like, like, <clears throat> how the fuck do you even do this? Like, how does this make sense? Like, how, how, how are you doing this, sir, ma'am? How are you doing this? So, like, the, I, don't, I don't like the whole decentralized movement thing. For one, there's no consistency. And, there, and, and it always seems like it's found out of anger. There's no consistent talk about this until some other shit happens. Well, let oh. me say this. I'm not involved in it, and I don't see it. So that's, okay. so that's, that's one of my big issues with that. The second thing is, like, if we had some type of centralized uh, leadership, maybe there would be a little more consistency. Because I see all these hundreds of thousands of people marching. And I'm like, how many of you motherfuckers registered? Because if you're not registered to vote, sit your ass at home and shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear what you got to say. And, and, you know, and this, a lot of this stuff is a lot of tactics with no strategy. And that's one thing I think is missing. We don't have a strategy or even, like, my original problem with BLM was there was no defined F. Like, stop killing us, that's a great start. But what are the strategies that go into stop killing us? Like, we, you know, <clears throat> so now it's getting to be a little bit more defined, but, like, the early movement, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this. Y'all just like y'all just bitching. But, and, and, they, and not, not saying they were just bitching, because black people were being killed, slaughtered, shot down on the streets like fucking animals, which we did not deserve. But if we're going to try to get people's attention, like we got to have a defined list of ass. And I haven't seen that like talked about. I haven't seen it play, uh, written about or anything like that. It's just like, well, if they shot up. Let's go take. Let's go fuck up some shit. And I'm okay with fucking up some shit. I really am. <laughs> but, I, but but I would re- <laughs> but I really would like to see a little bit more cohesion. I've actually heard younger black activists criticizing the civil rights movement with Dr. King. And I'm like, first, first off, you're not going to criticize Dr. King. That's one thing I'm not going to allow you to do. That's right. You can think about what you want about liberalism as opposed to progressivism, but you're not going to disc uh, Dr. King. But what they don't understand is, is the fact that they were very strategic. I have a, uh, one of my uh, frequent guests on Let Me Say This is a white friend of mine. She's a PhD at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, who, who uh, teaches philosophy. And she was like, you know, I hate the Rosa Parks story that we've been told. Because if you listen to the Rosa Parks story, it's this little woman, she's demure, she gets on the bus, she wants to sit down, they make her get up, and she causes this whole movement. That's not the story. She was an she activist. She didn't start it. Yeah, she, right. she was recruited to do this. This was planned. Yeah, it was planned. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. If you get arrested, you call so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, we get arrested, let's go get a GoFundMe page. Like, have a fucking strategy. Yeah. And so that's, that's that's my that's my that's my negative that's my only negative to what we're doing. But I have to say the people who are putting their bodies on the line, people who are on the front lines marching, even the people who fucking up some shit. Yeah. You know, I'm not a looter because <laughs> they just they just tarnish the moon a little bit. But bust up some goddamn windows. Leave mm-hmm. shit in there, but bust the windows out. Yeah. But we we're missing that. To do it in neighborhoods that are not your own. Right. If you want to make a real point, do it somewhere else. Do it in the neighborhoods that are not your own. That's the biggest thing. You know, yeah. you're right. I, I, I didn't realize that it wasn't centralized. I, <clears throat> and that hadn't even crossed my mind. 
And that's a very good point that was brought up. I mean, because I didn't realize it was a decentralized situation. And now that you say that... It was, it was built on that premise. It was built on the premise of being a decentralized uh, movement. And I also think a little bit of self-internalized homophobia played into that. Because think about the work that we do. You know, think about people who are not like... It was, it was months before... Uh, what's the guy's name with the blue vest? Uh, Z-Ray McKesson. It was months before he even, even said that he was gay. And even though interviews, it was like something he was like, I'm just trying to answer this out because I don't want the girls to get mad. I'm like, fuck the girls. I'm a black gay man. I'm a black proud gay man. And fuck what you think about me if I'm trying to help your black ass because that's another problem within our community. You know, our trans sisters and brothers are still being killed. And straight black people, they don't give a fuck. <clears throat> they give that's not a, one fuck. That's right. such a great point, Tony. Like, I, I, I've argued people all the time with this whole BLM, like hashtag BLM, when I know you're a proven homophobe. And it's like, if, 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 if you're mad that white people, Europeans are raising racist children, you have no grounds if you're raising a homophobic child as a black man. So um, like that, that's a huge argument. And I, I think that does fall in that line of, of, of having not uh, a non-guidedness when it comes to this whole black BLM um, I think there was another point that I was going to make, but I forgot it. But, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I think it's a great move. I think that these young people and their voices, they all need to be heard. I think we all need to be heard, but we got to do better with strategies. Ah, and there are, there are some really good uh, strategists who are in this movement. Like one of my friends, Ashton Woods in Houston. I mean, Ashton is brilliant when yeah. it comes to developing strategies. Like anytime I see him, I'm like, okay. He got a reason for why he's doing that. And you, mm-hmm. you do this to get this, to elicit this response. But I don't see that all the time. Like, we, our people in Birmingham are just stupid. Like, they, get, they really get on my nerves. Like, I, they really get on my I really think, Carl, oh, I'm sorry, Carl, you want to say something too? I'm, if I could, because I just remember my point, and it was to the Dr. King point about how, you know, millennials are, are want to diss or discredit the work that is done just based on him. We can't discredit that work. I mean, obviously, because it's Dr. Martin Luther King. But, the work was done in the like the fifties and the sixties at a time where, you know, things like social media didn't even exist. He was still able to mobilize hundreds of thousands of people yes. with, you know, without the use of technology. Um, and then fast forward into a world where we have that. I think the reason why we lack like that guidedness is because we're in, we're a society of instant gratification now. Like you can, you literally go out there and you think that what you did was supposed to make a difference right now. So, you know, the work is kind of unsupported with belief just because people right now think that, oh, my God, I go out here, I get tear gas one day, change has got to happen. And it's like, you know, they they haven't really, you know, how many people who are out here protesting have actually taken time and dissected what happened in the civil rights movement? You know, how many of these young people who are out here, you know, getting in front of the cops aren't trying to do it for Instagram posts? You know, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's... a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's why, the why behind it. And, and it's, the, it's the, the fire that comes within you. Is it more than just to, because it's trending? And that's funny right. because, you know, when, you know, and Carl, you can relate to this too. I don't know if you can, Tony, but I love acting. I know Carl's an actor and I'm an actor. And I know that when you're acting, you have to have an intent behind your action. So every day we go out here, we're actors, right? So I go to work, I'm an actor. I'm acting as a transportation director. When I'm with my mom, I'm acting as a son. There's an intention behind everything I'm doing. And so like you said, Carl, if there's an act, if there's a 
is there's an intention behind what I'm doing? Is it for social fame glory? I think that the best and, and not that people should be recognized, but I think that the best and most sincere actions are those that are not recognized. The things that I do in private for other people that nobody else knows about, those are the things that are most rewarding for me. But mm-hmm. just to your point earlier, Tony, is that I really would love a very a highly strategic think tank of African-American people who have a whole strategy, who we operate in a clandestine, covert manner, and we get shit done. Black Lives Matter could be the overarching thing, be as disorganized and homophobic as it wants to be, but this group of people, we mobilize in secret to get shit done, and we have a strategy behind it. That's the kind of shit I'm looking for, because again, I'm serious. I want to see some big change, and I know that we have to operate in a certain way. We can operate within the system strategically, and we can operate outside of the system, however they want us to do it. If you want, if you want me to here operating this way, then we'll get it done this way, but this way is going to be a little more rough for you, so let's operate this way. I would really love a clandestine organization. You know what I'm saying? We all you got with- one. You got one. I'm working on one, so I'll see you Thursday. <laughs> Clear your schedule. Be the, change, be, be the change you want to see. <laughs> be the change. We'll see you Thursday then. Clear that schedule. I can't because what? I have to host brother to brother. What time? I host brother to brother at 8 o'clock. If you haven't been. Oh, this would be during the day. Oh, yeah. No, I have been. That was early. I'm talking talk to the people who will be watching this podcast. Oh, got it. Got advertising, it. right? We're advertising. We're advertising. Not yeah. work during the day, but, you know, I'm acting as a transportation director during the day. But okay, still, we'll you'll read that later. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk, talk offline, but we'll try to get you, you. You heard it here first. He's free on Thursday. Or he, he wants to do something. Oh, I don't mind doing something. I want to do something that makes sense, like Tony. So it makes sense and makes strategy so we can get stuff done. And honestly, I'll be completely transparent, Tony. I had no idea. And Carl, I had no idea that Rosa Parks was set in motion there with a strategy. I just thought this one... Down the but like you said, story that they saw, I didn't know. And I there were teenagers who had been arrested and killed before, long before that for, for doing the exact same thing she did. There was a young lady before her by the name of Claudette Calvin, you know, because I'm, I'm from Alabama, like I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. So, like, there was a young lady before her named Claudette Calvin, and they were so strategic in the way that they were trying to elicit sympathy from the people who were oppressing them. Claudette Calvin had had a baby, I don't, I, I don't know if she was married at the time. But she was also darker skinned than Rosa. Rosa was a fair-skinned black woman. So in order to get sympathy or make her a sympathetic victim to the people who were oppressing her, they wanted somebody that white people could find palatable. So in order to find someone that they could find, that they would find more palatable would be having like a Leslie Jones versus a Carrie Washington. You know? In lighter eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was... Potentially. Yeah, so that was that was part of their strategy, and and let me say this: I hate that, I really do. But you oh, know, at the end of the day, it, <laughs> you my, know, it was a necessary evil. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about before we go into the meat of the subject is um, the media portrayals in this. Like, I'm older than y'all. I might throw out some names y'all not familiar with, but back in the day on CBS News, there was this old white guy that was a reported by the name of Walter Cronkite. I know him. You know, whether, whether you looked at Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, it didn't matter. You got the same news on every channel. Here, I really think there should be a defined, like, demarcation of what's opinion and what's really news. Right. Like, even, even some of my favorite newscasters, I love Rachel Maddow, you know, I love uh, Chris Hayes, uh, 
I, 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 what's the name? Ari Melber? Ari Melber can get it. I'm just going to tell you this. Goes to Google right now. <laughs> but, they're, but, they're, but they're all on MSNBC and they're all like their opinion, their, their opinion posts. They do get some news, but a lot of it is opinion. And I think we need to be able to figure out what's actual news instead of hearing everybody's opinion. Fox News is one big opinion like shithole. Like, if you got a shitty opinion, put it on Fox News and people are going to be cool with that. But we need to be able to know. And, and y'all on Facebook, you know your cousins, they didn't kill um, who they killed last week. It wasn't Aretha Franklin. It was somebody that had been dead. Said, oh, 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 God. He was a news reporter on 60 Minutes. Uh, I can't think of his name. Gumbo? He died like in two. No, no, on 60 Minutes on CBS. Um, black guy. Um, shit. I'm old. I can't think of his name right now. But, um, he, he died in 2006. And people are sharing this article with these sad faces. I'm like, this man been dead for 15 years, sis. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> because we don't, because we don't know where to find real news anymore. Right. You know, and a lot of our people, a lot of our people get that news straight off on Facebook. And I'm always like, let me look at this little question mark to see how old this shit is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is it really valid or real news? Because, you know, we literally live in a world where if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. Like, no. That part. Yeah. yeah. It's not true all the time because, like, I'll watch stuff. And, like, I'll be honest. I love CNN. My TV pretty much stays on CNN. Um, they let Trump have it on CNN. Um, and, and I absolutely love it. But then I was watching OAN and they were so pro Trump and they were saying stuff that didn't make sense. And I'm like, why would y'all be so pro this obvious, this is an obvious, um, issue, a societal issue. And it's so obvious it's an issue, but they're trying to make, they're make, just making justifications for some of the things that were happening on this other station. I right. went back to CNN cause I couldn't handle it cause I was already angry. I got the blood pressure going on. I'm trying to keep myself calm and centered. So I stay where I know I need to be. But, you know, <laughs> CNN, a lot of it, um, some of it's opinion. I know that because you, one thing I learned in undergrad for sure in undergrad is you got to check your sources and make sure you know that the credibility right. of what you're looking at is powerful, mm-hmm. just like you said with the Facebook thing. But um, it's easy to believe what you see and less easy to believe what you intellectually know because when you when you when you see something like you said you'll check it and that's when you intellectualize as it become it goes from just seeing it to intellectualizing it, which is a higher level of thought and critical thinking and analytical thinking because now you're figuring out well where did this come from is this something that i should believe let me check the sources let me check so that's what becomes analytical people are lazy inherently and it's just a human nature i don't think anybody particular i don't think it belongs to any race well it really we're only one race. It's a so sociological thing that we have different skin colors that make up race. But the human race, we want to be at rest as much as we can because we're lazy people sometimes. It's just what we are. Um, and I mean yeah. that is applicable to every human. Um, but it's easier to believe what's, what's fed to you versus going to cook it yourself, right? It's, I especially, it's, especially if it's something that you want to believe. Like there are things that people want to believe and you have this whole thing with confirmation bias and I find that with religious yeah. people all the time. Oh my you know, god. I want to believe this, so this has got to be true. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would see that'll be a whole up see that'll be a whole <laughs> it, should be. it will. It will it will like and, and you know and just like one of my biggest things is like even when they talk about homosexuality in the Bible, that was a specific instruction for a specific group of people at a specific time. The rest of it, they didn't really mention again, but this was specific information for a specific group at a specific time. But because I want to believe that homosexuality is wrong, 
then I use my own confirmation bias to confirm things that I want to believe without actually checking the sources mm-hmm. and even checking the references. And people do that shit all the time. And it's not even just with that. Go ahead. I was just going to piggyback what's more is that it's been used to condition generations. And that's, that's the sad part is that it, it has, it, it, you know, that, that thought process probably existed back then, but has no bearings on today. But because people want to believe in something so bad that they are choosing to suspend all other belief systems, especially when, you know, things are starting to be more visual you can do this right. so easily. You can go, you can like, eat, like to your point about getting on the internet, everything's there. You can pick up and get on the internet just like that and be, right. you know, drawn to so many different things and so much education that's out there. And, you know, you can, it's that belief system. Like I, I was on the internet. It must be true then. Like, you know, teaching the kids via YouTube. Let me, let me tell you this. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ramon. I was going to say this real quick about religion. First of all, <laughs> first of all, it's not our original religion because that's the shit that was forced out of our throats when we got here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, no offense to anybody who believes in Christianity. I am a spiritual person. I have a Christian background, but it was shoved out of our throat when we got here. It's like, you be Christian or you die, or you mm-hmm. do this or you die. We're forced. We are coerced like we are coercively brought over here. So now it's something that's forced down our throats. So we had to. And then they demonized our stuff. Like people always say voodoo, hoodoo. Oh, it's the devil. It's demonic. But no, it's not. It's simply the way we practice our belief system. All religion comes from most of it, I was, I'm going to go ahead and say all of it. All religion comes from what's called, it's a whole body of work called terror management theory. And terror management theory supposes this. If people don't understand what happens after death, it makes them afraid. What happens mm-hmm. is we are afraid of not existing after death. So our lack of existence, that fear of lack of existence after death, we create religion to explain what happens after we die. Whether it's voodoo, Christianity, uh, Zoroastrianism, existentialism, whatever it is that we're believing, uh, uh, Hindu, whatever, Buddhism, whatever it is, is created by man. So then to take that point and drive it further, it's created by man. So when man puts his hands on shit, it becomes very flawed. Yes, they teach you it's the written, infallible, inspired, written word of God, blah, 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 fine. But as soon as man puts his hands on some shit, it becomes really fucked up because now what's getting put into that is his own biases and his own thoughts and his own beliefs because he believes yep. as one individual, I am supposed to control you or what you do, so I want to do that. And like you said, Carl, like Roman Catholicism, it controlled the masses because if you don't want to go to hell, fear tactic, um, then you will do this. And so you got to think mm-hmm. about who really wrote the Bible. What was their purpose for writing the Bible? I mean, think about it. A woman on her period is to be separated from people and she's dirty and she's unclean and blah, 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 blah. Well, shit, we're walking around here all day today on their periods with pads and tampons and God, they should be separated and put out somewhere too. And they don't do that though. They don't do that though. It doesn't make sense. So, and it also, religion was the thing that, that they used to support slavery slaves obey your master but then Mm -hmm. if you read on past that one sentence it says masters also do the same for your slave or also basically it's basically saying treat your slaves the same way they will treat you well but they always stopped at that one point just like they do in church Mm -hmm. today they'll give you one little piece of it they won't give you the whole sentence so we were fucking bamboozled and hoodwinked okay and Mm -hmm. with religion so that religion to me the whole situation 
I do participate sometimes. I was raised in my grandparents are were clergy people. I'll go to church every now and again. I want a good foot stuff for church service sometimes, but I also know who I am. I know that as an African-American male, that this Christianity was used to put my people into bondage. I know that it was used against me as a homosexual male. And I'm sorry, I wasn't, I, I just, I can't help no more than I was, that I'm black, than I'm gay. I can't help any of that shit, but this right. religion is supposed to be something that affirms me and lifts me, but it beats me down and berates me. I'm not big on religion. I'm sorry. I, I'm spiritual. I do believe in the creator, but religion can kiss my ass. No Right, none needed. We need to have another podcast on religion because we could rip about that all day. Mm-hmm. Two things I want to say before we move on. I'm glad you like. What's your What's your degree in? Mine is psychology. So you mentioned the terror management theory. Let me tell you something. I I didn't have it. Didn't have. I didn't know what it was called. And mine actually takes it just a little bit further. And this is just something that I've always realized. Anytime man has not been able to explain something, he's always given it some type of supernatural power. We didn't know why the sun came through the sky. So that was Apollo. We didn't know why, you know, we saw our reflection in the water. That was our system. We didn't know why we heard echoes. That was echoes. You know, so mm-hmm. we always get, and the only thing that we haven't figured out is why we're here. So in order to, to, to give some type of um, grounding to that, then I, and I'm a Christian, I think we came up with religion <laughs> because we don't know why. We, that's the only thing we have. We figured out just about every fucking thing in the universe except for why we're here. So, you know, that, that goes into that as well. The other thing I was going to say, and then I want to move on to the, uh, the, the main topic, is the fact that um, then Carl was talking about, damn it, I should have wrote it down. Um, damn it. Okay, we'll just go to the next topic. I might think sorry, it. I was I went on a red tire. No, 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 no. No, but religion is something that's very near and dear to me, like for, for like, Four or five years, I didn't even go to church. I was like, fuck church. Like, you know, because church hurt me. And I'm not talking about that whole quote, quote, church hurt, but I was raised in the church. I was a worker in the church. Me too. Like, choir, usher boy, technology, the whole thing. The armor bearer, the best armor bearer you've ever seen. That's what the East Coast he's going to. I beat him there. Right up front, waiting for you to preach. I'm here to serve you. And then it's right, right. about him and less about God, because now you really. Worshiping the pastor. Well, yeah. that's what we have to really understand. I'm sorry, Tony. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, religion. The the term of it is just the perpetuality of it all. The religious act of going to church every Sunday. You can do anything religiously. You can go to the gym religiously. But um, there is. I've always wondered about why that word is connected to this because it's not religious at all i mean it's religious to pray to a god absolutely but to say that what embodies my thought process and all this stuff i have to call it religion no that was creation that was a creation. i thought about i I thought about what i was going to say when we talk about so it's a a little harder for people when their own confirmation bias has told them that being gay is a sin but there are some other things that we do and not even on a sin it's just not biblically sound so like i hate when you go to a funeral and you go to a funeral, and the preacher's like, "Well, you know, ain't Betsy? She's at in heaven now in God's bosom. Ha. No, she's not. She's in that box. She's going in the ground because the Bible said that we will sleep until Jesus comes back. That's so what again, that's, that's Bible. We, say, that's Bible. We, that we say shit to make ourselves feel good. But every time I'm every time I'm at a, I'm at a funeral, and I hear, and your grandma going to be with the Lord. Ha. No, grandma's in that box, sir. 
Like she's right there. She don't look right, but she's in that box. Like that's who she is. To be absent No, you're in that box, Grandma. That's where you are, sis. You're in that box. They, they shall sleep until he returns. The dead shall sleep, and he they will rise to the glorified bodies and blah blah blah. That, that's what you're taught in religion. There's a movie that if you if you got I think it's on Netflix. It might be on Netflix or Hulu, but there's a uh, movie called The Invention of Lying starring Ricky Gervais from The Office. Find well, it and watch it. I'm going to take it. Okay. No. The Invention about, of Lying. The Invention of Lying. It's about this this like alternate universe where people don't they can't lie. So everything you say is the truth. And he actually invents religion trying to make his mom feel good about dying. <laughs> So check that out. We, we can move on. Wow. But the invention of lying. Yeah, I it's like a great well, movie. I'll come back and have a movie review about this one. <laughs> Do so. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a link where you can find it. But it's a great movie. But it's really, it's not billed as a religious movie, but it's definitely a religious movie. Because he, end up, he ended up lying and realized that, oh, I can just say this and it's not true. Because no one can say anything that wasn't true. Yeah. And then he figures out how to do it, and he ends up creating fucking religion. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But anyway, so um, Ramon wanted to talk about interracial marriage and dating in the age of increased racism and police brutality in the United States. And I think that's a great topic. So I was, just, I was just talking to a friend of mine that's watching that movie called Loving. And uh, I think it happened, uh, Loving versus the State of Virginia in 1959, they had the Supreme Court case that made it legal for black and white people to marry because, you know, people talk about obeying fucking laws and literally dating or marrying somebody outside of your race was against the fucking law. And these people went to jail. So, you know, we come a little bit, we ain't come a whole lot, but we come a little bit since then. But tell me about your, your process for this. What, what were you thinking about? So, um, I was talking to a friend, a good friend of mine, a close friend of mine. And a, a good fellow, Judy. A, a good Judy, a fellow intellectual who has really long dreadlocks. And she went to my rival school, MSU. Go, Go green. Go green. Go Let's green. Clear. Right. You mix blue and gold, you get green, okay? You mix blue and yellow, you get gold. You get the green color, the color of poop. But uh, go blue, go blue. And so we're having the conversation and, you know, I actually talked to me and Carl's mutual friend, Lauren, too, because I kind of wanted to get different perspectives, right? So um, I met someone and we hit it off unexpectedly. And it just so happened to be that we hit it off in this time. He's white. No problem for me. I don't see, see, I would learn to see color because of society. When I was growing up, my mom would have me understand that everybody was the same. When you cut people, they bleed the same blood, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful mom, right? I had Mexican, white, Asian aunts and uncles. It didn't matter. I would go over there and be babysat. I just looked at them as my family. I'm like, okay, very eclectic environment growing up. And so um, now when I am in a place where I am right now mentally, because back in 2018, I lost a job to discrimination because I reported somebody at a boss, my boss for saying something you should have. I reported him. Then all of a sudden I became black because no matter that I worked my ass off, I became black. So that was my first real engagement. You became a nigga. Okay. I became a nigga at that point. A fast mouth nigga. 
the sass mouth there, right? Oh, you want to go tell because I said something inappropriate? You can see the shift because when they all start coming at you with different stuff and give you stuff that they know you're not supposed to be doing, and you're like, well, you get it done or you don't have to job. So you can see that you, I saw the dynamic change, you know? And so that's when I realized my blackness in America. So then we get to present day where I, because I, again, I love everybody. I do. And when I talk about white people, let me be very clear. When I talk about white people. Not all white people. Exactly. It's not all white people. It really isn't because all white people are literally not an issue. Some white people, they can be come to the barbecue. They understand. They have empathy. And some of them are working with us to help change things. Some. And, but then you also have those who are perpetuating the problems. Like all these videos you see about the one woman talking to the Mexican woman that got slapped in the store because she told the woman, you're going back to Mexico. And she got slapped the by the Mexican lady. And that was that. And you got the other lady who tried to block the guy from getting into the apartment building because he's black, blah, blah, blah. You got the other lady who uh, uh, said, I'm going to call the police because he asked her to put her, her dog on a leash, right? And so um, she said, I'm going to call the police when a black man is harassing Amy me. Cooper. I saw Amy that. Cooper. She was acting, she was acting a fool, screaming, oh, right. on, choking the dog, like, girl. And the poor dog, right? So those are the white people I talk about when I say white people. So um, make sure I'm clear. I'm not racist because I'm not going to add to You can't be a racist. You cannot be a racist. I want to stop saying that. Preach that. Preach that. I guess you can't be a racist, but I'm not discriminatory towards all white people, just those who create right. the problem. So with that being said, I know my blackness in America now. And so in this time, I'm on the market, I'm dating, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm on Tinder. And, you know, I come across this individual, right? Nurse, 32 years old, nice person. We hit it off. We're cool. And so I'm like, wait a minute. How's the culture going to take this? How are my people going to take this? I'm dating a white person being in this little situation. Now. And again, it's nothing wrong with it, but it's like, how is it going to? So, I mean, I went to Carl and I had a conversation with Carl. Carl has some interesting things to say and I'll let him say what he said. But that's why I thought this would be a good conversation for today to say, <laughs> how does that go with interracial dating? So, Carl, what were the things you kind of... <laughs> I knew it was coming. So, what was you? What was said? No, I'm just kidding. Um, this was a setup. This was a setup. This was a setup. This was a setup. It's a good conversation. Like, you know, it's a good conversation, I think. Um, yes. It's a great conversation. I have to give some background on myself as well because I, too, grew up in a what did you call it? An eclectic background. You know, Ferndale's a very, a melting pot of just all kinds of races, different bodies. And um, growing up in that kind of area, I, I learned tolerance early on. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't know that, you know, black people had it a little bit differently. It was more of, for me, I saw it that the money in your pocket made the life different for you. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was it, it, that part I was able to separate early on. So it wasn't about uh, a color, skin color mean, meant that you were better. Um, the money in the pocket obviously actually meant that you were better. Um, but if we're looking at it from how do I feel when and originally I would feel no kind of way. I would feel, you know, okay, it's just another person, one person to another. And, you know, for much of my life, I lived that way. Um, even up through college, even though I guess I 
in a way compartmentalize what was happening to me when I was in college. I guess I didn't realize I was a black student at a predominantly white institution. I guess I just didn't really, because of my background, because of, you know, the, the intermingling I had in high school, I just thought and felt so much more prepared to be able to integrate and move on with life in this, you know, predominantly white world. So, you know, even to the end of having relationships, I've dated outside my race before. And the very first person I actually, you know, considered a significant other was a European. And I guess even at that time, because the climate had not forced me to evaluate things, I still led myself with that, that, oh, it's just a person, one person to another. And even still, Europeans are just people as well. They are just people. But I think that there comes a time where you have to, you know, kind of discern whether or not and what the intention is. Why is it that a person is choosing at this time in this climate to date outside their race? Which is, sounds very, very 1950s of me, but at the same time, it is almost the same, on the same kind of argument as in the world crazy like this, why would I bring a child into the world? Right. Um, so it just, it's just almost like adding to the complication that is probably already difficult to be in a relationship. So it's just, it's my, my, so it's just, I guess I'm not, I don't, I don't oppose it. I guess I challenge it. I I challenge it with these kind of questions on why, um, just the big why. That's the big ask, I guess. Let me say this. So like, again, I got about 15 years, almost 20 years for y'all. And, (laughs) you know, and I I, I fought my generation for not, like my generation grew up as the children of baby boomers. And, you know, our family, our, our parents fought to get what we needed. We kind of grew up kind of insulated, but not so insulated. I mean, I remember being called a nigga in school and college. I mean, so I wasn't that insulated. But when we came to our children, I think we tried to insulate them even more from that. So the fact that you ha- did not experience a lot of that as a child, or even wasn't really taught, or maybe even like that was a leading conversation, I blame us for that. I mean, I, I honestly do. But with that being said, I, um, I've always been around multiracial groups, like my school was 90% white. Every school I've ever gone to was 90% white. My, my high school was, my elementary school was, I went to Auburn University, that motherfucker was 96% white. You know, so like, <laughs> I've, always, I've always been able to uh, coast with, I was talking to my CEO the other day, and I'm like, you know, I was always the acceptable Negro. Because, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, what y'all doing there? I'm sure that's not quite right. You know, like, I'm, like when I have my glasses on saying COVID-19 is, is for the coronavirus. So, you know, I've always been able to do that. So I look at race a little bit different because there are some, like, terribly racist people. You know, and my family, even now, especially now, my niece, my fa- one of my fate, well, I like all my, all my nieces and nephews. I ain't going to say none of them favorite. Um, <laughs> my oldest niece, my favorite oldest niece is married to a white guy. And before she married him, she uh, had a baby. She had a prom baby. <laughs> and, uh, so, and they have two beautiful little girls together. Uh, my, her brother is married to a Puerto Rican girl. Um, you know, we, I have cousins who are intermarried. And here's the thing. I don't have a problem with interracial marriages until either of you, especially the black person, forget where you came from. 
that's when I start having problems. So like if I'm going to be in a relationship with someone who's not black, in particular somebody who's white, them motherfuckers need to be down like four flat. Like I don't need you questioning the the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't. Need, I can question that shit, but y'all ass better not. You know, I don't need you questioning police brutality. I don't need you like questioning civil rights. I need you to be down on the floor, ready to fight. Otherwise, then it becomes a thing of fetishism. I had a um, I was, uh, my friend who was watching the uh, movie Loving. I was talking to him because I have a uh, colleague. She doesn't work with me, but we work in the same field. And she was married to this white guy. She'd been married to that guy for years. And earlier this year, she goes, Tony, I was, my husband was watching TV and Donald Trump came on the TV and he was like, oh yeah, Trump's going to get us what we need to be. And she was like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't know that your white husband was a Trump supporter? <laughs> no, like we never talked about that, but I just thought he was okay because I was black. No, some of them can still be racist as fuck and just want to get between your thighs. And that is very true of white gay men when it comes to us. So, you know, my advice to you, Ramon, would be to do a check. <laughs> but my, my, my thing with, with dating interracially, like you really need to make sure they are really down by the down for the cause and really know, you know, who you are and what you're about. Like you don't want to be married to somebody. Uh, <laughs> he said Kika when he coming back. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to be married to someone and then find out you have like all these ideological differences that don't match. And, right. you know, and, yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's the problem. That's why you have to be careful. You know, in, especially in our world. Oh, here he is. There you go. Look at God. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, Potter. Huh? <laughs> um, no, but... <laughs> What I was saying was, like, if you're going to date interracially, like, you need to make sure those people are really, you know, down with you and not just what you are, but who you are. Because, right. like, we are still fetishized by white people on a daily basis. You know, you on, you, you yeah. say you were on Tinder, but you go to Grindr and Jack, and it's like, I want a big black cock. And I'm like, uh. They're nah. looking for a BBC. And Ramon, that was my thing <laughs> that I said to you, didn't I? I said, he's getting his fetish on, so I hope you are, too. And I, and that's what I meant when I said that is because, like Tony's saying, we are still fetishized. We have been fetishized since the history, since they first, since Europeans first saw all of our melanated complexions. And let's talk about it. The Mandingos, they saw all of that and they just were like, whoa, look at God, because like we were. And and that's literally where it came from. Like I, I'm not gonna disagree that I'm a mandingo because I am. I'm not gonna disagree. But well, we weren't talking about that. I'm we just not talking about that. So, but go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I, I had some points to uh, before you got technical difficulty. I had some points to Tony's thing that he was saying, um, and it was you know they don't. It's okay to date interracially, but if you as long as they don't forget where they come from. Sometimes, most time, more often than not, I think that that's the goal. They're trying to erase where they came from or forget where they came from. And I and I think you have to just follow me for a second because I've tried to break this down. And I think it's because of this vicious cycle that we we're in, right? You know, the fact that they think the answer to to make our community safer, uh, black community safer, is to put more police force in there. There's nowhere, no evidence ever surrounding that more police presence equals less crime. 
doesn't happen. But what it does do is take these men away from their fathers, making these 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 homes fatherless, seeing a mother struggle from a black male perspective. You know, we always the goal is always wanting to have, you know, someone or look for a woman that's like your mother. But when you see this woman constantly struggling, constantly just doing things to survive and not necessarily painting that lovey dovey, you know, image in your head. You know, you're starting to look to someone who does do that. You know, it's just all it's all a, a conditionalized thing. So, you know, when these men go out into these corporate worlds and they are in these settings where they see that their counterparts are European women, you know, their idea is like, oh, maybe I grab a European wife. And then that way I'm still just as compatible. I'm still just <laughs> as competitive with, you know, my my male white counterparts. Um, so I just think a lot of that, that was one point. And um, it was another point we said that there are some white people or some Europeans that feel like that there's some there's some level of black palatability. So like they can tolerate some black people, but they couldn't tolerate all. They could tolerate those that look like me. They could tolerate, you know, those who speak like Ramon. Um, they can tolerate things like that, but they couldn't tolerate, um, you know, my cousin that grew up on the east side, Mac and Bewick. Like they they wouldn't be able to tolerate that kind of black person. So that all let, that's where my question has come from. When let, let me they, let me say this: there, there, like, in, especially in the south. Like, I don't know if it's, it's this bad up north, but in the south, it's even worse because not only do you have white people who fetishize black people, but you have black people who do the opposite. Like there are a lot of clubs down here, and even back in my uh, uh, sexually free days, like you go to like a bad house. <laughs> <or something. laughs> I love the way you put that. Would this be the seventies, Tony? <laughs> no, no, it was the the early. Really, was the early two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but you know how I'm very transparent about my bullshit. But you know, like you go to like a bath house or even a club. And you try to talk to a black guy, and immediately you realize that he ain't trying to talk to nobody else black. He only dates white guys. And then the white guys, and like you said, Carl, the white guys only date certain types of black guys. And it's, and it's, and it's almost like an unspoken language. Mm-hmm. And so, Ramon, I would tell, I would bring him around some of your uh, blackity black friends to see how he works with that situation. Because if he's uncomfortable in that situation, then you do have a problem. But I really feel like if he's okay with you and your the wholeness of you, then you know it might be. I'm, I'm not. I'm not against interracial dating. I'm just. I'm just against. I'm against people being fetishized. I'm against people being used and and mm-hmm. and, and objectified. That's that's my problem, Thanks. and it happens so much with us. Yeah. Thanks. Go ahead, Carl. No, I, I'm just saying the same. I agree. I agree 100. I I think that you know if you have to explain why your mother wraps her hair at night or if you have to do things like explain uh has he touched your hair yet has he touched your hair yet (laughs) yeah like shit like that like like if if you have to go through that explanation that means that that person didn't do enough research on what they were getting involved in and that goes to that big this bigger point of you know the whole all my white friends are reaching out to me how are you doing in this time are you okay blah 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 don't do this. You need to be having a difficult conversation with your white counterparts. You need to be asking them what the hell is going on. Why are we doing this to black people? Don't ask your own. If you can count your black friends, I've always said that too. If you can count your black friends, then that means you got work to do as well. You know, because there's black people in this world. So it's like, how are you right. living your life and just not making friends with any of them? So 
all valid points for a certain group of European Americans. I get that. Um, so here's my perspective. He has grown up around predominantly black folks. He grew up in an area that there is all black folks. So that's the culture he is accustomed to. I mean, he has his own culture too, but he's accustomed to black folk. This is all he pretty much knows. Um, in terms of, it's so much I said, I'm trying to remember everything. I took some notes, but I'm trying to unpack everything I said. Um, Okay, let me just start with this. I, and if I forget something, if y'all, y'all can throw it back out so I can respond to it. But let's talk about forgetting where people come from. I have no intention of forgetting where I came from. Um, my mother moved us out to the northern suburbs of Detroit when I was seven to get away from some of our own people who were putting us in danger. Because I think we can all agree that our people will kill us or they will rob from us. They will steal from us. We do that to each other. So I'm not comfortable around that element. No, agree. He's not comfortable around that element. But, but hold on, but, but I want I, let me let me. I want you to that, to acknowledge the fact that crime is a crimes are usually crimes of proximity. So like you know, and I think that's one thing I, I that I don't like when people move to suburbs because you can still be you can still have a crime committed against you, and the person may not look like you, but crimes are always like because of proximity. They're always the worst crimes in the suburbs. That's where they chop people up and bury them under houses. That's a stereotype. That's a stereotype. Let me say this. When living where I came from, before we moved to Southfield, for example, which is the northern suburb of Detroit, um, the things that happened in where we came from, which is Highland Park, my mom's car was stolen. Uh, People in the neighborhood were robbed. There were killings. There was a lot of bad stuff that happened. Now, I'm not saying crime can't happen anywhere, but I am saying there are less likelihoods based on where you live. I don't like being around my ghetto people. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we, why we do this from each other. Because, like you said, it's proximity, but it's also lack of resources, which is a bigger systemic issue. We don't have resources necessary to get what we want to get. And so we see somebody else getting on to come up. So we want to be able to come up too. So we'll take it from them and make ourselves feel good because society has made us as a whole feel like shit. And we can see that happening today. But the people yeah. that I know, because I can, I, I know my culture and I can identify because I got some of my family. I can identify people that I know I don't want to be around because I feel like you're a threat to my existence, my being, my happiness. <laughs> so if he feels that same way, like, well, I don't feel comfortable around these people because they're behaving in a certain way. I don't feel comfortable with it either. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I, it's not me forgetting where I came from. And if I took him around some of my blackly, blackly people, which I could, and I probably will, um, but I don't want him to be uncomfortable, but I don't want to be uncomfortable either. I don't, I don't want to deal with the shit either. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think that any of us in this Zoom, especially you, Carl, being who you are, you... I don't think you might like a good old ratchet town sometimes, but when you go home, you're in a part of Detroit that's really nice and upscale. Okay, I don't see you living on Mac and B with yourself, right? So no, never would. Exactly. So be so. It's not about oh he's white and if he can't handle all of us, then he can't handle you because he doesn't accept you. No, that's not true. Because I know that I don't want to handle all of us. We all don't want to handle all of us. None of us do. So it's just, that's just that. So I don't want to forget where I came from, but I do want to not be where my people are that are doing some dumb stuff. Go ahead, Johnny. Let me say this. That, that, is, that is actually like another conversation that we need to have. 
Because, I mean, I get why people move to the suburbs. I honestly do. But going back to something that Carl said earlier when he was talking about his background and where he was from, he said that he thought that the differences were not because of race, but because of money. And it we is. also have to acknowledge, yeah, but also we have to acknowledge that poverty is because of race. Like, you know, because of, you know, the fact that when FHA loans first came out, 90% of them went to white people. You know, the fact that redlining existed. So even if you had the money, you still had to live in the ghetto. Our yeah. schools are not funded properly. So you have a lack of educational attainment. And, 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 and it looks black, but it's not. It's actually racism and poverty. And, and, and back to your point, Ramon, and, and, and I'm, I'm really glad you said that because these are conversations that we don't have enough, especially between us, is the fact that when people steal a bracket, okay, give you a good point. I'm tired of young progressive people talking about Joe Biden being a racist. Like, I'm really tired of hearing about that because at the end of the day, all white people benefit from racism. Let's start there. The second thing, y'all were babies in 1993. I was a grown-ass man. <laughs> and when I tell you that when they passed that crime bill, I was like, yes, I ain't got to worry about getting carjacked no more because these niggas might go to jail now. Was it the right answer? No. The answer would have been making us have, was to give us like financial equity and building up our communities. Putting us in jail was not the answer. But at the end of the day, that bill stopped a lot of us, myself included, from being killed by gangbangers because it was out of fucking control. So I remember. But, but not only did white people think that was a good idea, but black people thought it was a good idea too. So if you're going to talk about Joe Biden being for that, you got to talk about other leaders, black leaders themselves. I mean, Jesse Jackson, all these people were like, yeah, we got to do something to help this damn community. But we didn't do the right thing because we only were working with the tools that we had at that time. You know, and so, I mean, I have to, like, I, and we have to acknowledge that. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, I hate the moniker black on black crime. Because crime, again, it's all about proximity. You know, if you in the white neighborhood, you might have five motherfuckers in the basement chopped up, you know, making hamburgers the next day. But, <laughs> you know, but we never talk about white on white crime. Like, even, we have hundreds of school seasons a year. All of these are done by white people. Not one time have we heard white on white crime. You know, because black on black crime is a, is a racist moniker. Go ahead, Carl. I just think that white on white crime is just crime itself. It is the essence of crime. It is what was taught to us. We didn't do these things. We 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 were able to manage our lives unbothered without colonialism. The minute colonialism happened is when all these things happened. Like this. We existed, we coexisted, we bartered, we did things. All other races were able to coexist without hate, without uh, uh, a colorism factor. We didn't create colorism. We didn't say that because my skin is lighter than everybody on this call. Is it? I can't tell, Tony. You might be lighter than me. Yeah, I, it's a good light. I'm black as fuck. And so we can't tell that we, I mean, like, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the that, like colorism. We didn't create that. We didn't say that to be lighter skin is to be better. Like so, all of these negative things that exist in our society. Huh? The fair skin people were in the household. Exactly. But that's going back even further, even further than slavery. It's just like a a a, a, a thing that as colonialism's reach reached out, so too did all the the negative constructs that exists like the right. world was fine <laughs> we were fine but somebody, fine was without them. Yeah. somebody was greedy and to think just just 
to piggyback on what you just said, Carl, since I'm, um, <laughs> I stopped reading it for a couple of weeks, but I'm in the process of reading Dr. Joy, Joyce DeGruz's book called Post-Traumatic Slave Disorder. And in that book, she identifies how a lot of the founding fathers wrote letters talking about or wrote, wrote written works talking about how black people were lazy, they were smelly, dirty, all these negative things. And then they, you know, talked about how the beauty of the people from the Caucasus mountains, the Caucasians, they were beautiful. They had, you know, fair skin and blue eyes and blind. I mean, that's, it was literally a campaign before marketing became a thing. It was a campaign against us because let me tell you that campaign came from us. What I mean, and this is going to get deeper than this call even allows, and I understand. So give me a second, but I have to stand on this soapbox. Is um, this is this the Moorish American soapbox? Because we, I don't know if we know many things about um, what it is to be a Moorish American, but it is um, claiming our national, reclaiming our nationality and our citizenship, which is this land, the things that we are owed being on this land um and without getting too deep into it uh, just to add to your point to, to to talk about this point here is that um they romanticized what it was to be you know to be proud of, of a skin to be proud of just a people they took it from us they took that proudness they took that pride from us and then used it against us like we were always a proud people they just found a way to, to manipulate us because we were so given Anyway, isn't it isn't it interesting how a conversation about interracial dating can be so deep and like it's it's so complex? Well, you because put all the really, things together, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I mean, but but I mean, but really and truly, it is. You know, I hope this guy. I mean, honestly, I hope the guy worked out for you. I mean, I really do. But Me you too. have to you you have to know where he's from and what his intentions are. You know, another thing you mentioned, <clears throat> and this is something that bothers me. And I know that language is something that's taught. So, like, you know, I hate when people say you talk white because you, like, cross T's and dot I's and shit. But that's mm-hmm. just, like, what was spoken in my house. And I, it bothers me sometimes when you hear white people talk. And if you don't turn around and look at them, you might for a minute think they might be highbrow black. And it's like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> but, I mean... It's, but it's a function of where they're from. And, and that used to really, really bother me. It doesn't bother me as much now. But if I hear uh, a white person talking like one of my cousins from the hood, I'm looking at them like, you trying too hard, sis. Like, why are you doing all this? Like, that's not how you talk. What if that individual <laughs> literally just grew up in that environment? What if they were adopted by a black family? Oh, I, yeah. That, that, again, language is taught. Like, you, you learn language by, by listening and repetition. So the things you do here you're going to emulate them. So, I mean, I totally get that. But, you know, I just, again, I just hope that, um, that, and just see where it goes. Because, I mean, the other thing is, you know, we meet people three days later, we talk about fucking relationships. Like, get, get a life. Like, That's what I'm saying. Not- yes, it's hard. Like, I don't do that, I don't do that fast moving stuff. I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very slow. I'm as slow as the Titanic ship was when it was trying to avoid that fucking iceberg, okay? And if you see it, then well, avoid it. I'm very slow with it because I want to understand. I want to unpack some things. And we've had conversations about our differences. You know what I'm saying? He's, he is very frustrated about what's happening to black folks. He's, you know, because, I mean, again, that's what he grew up around. That's what he knows. He's frustrated about it. And his, his thought point, his, his point is, 
does it make you feel upset that I'm not out there protesting for what's going on? Because I have a life and I don't want to get hurt and I have a job I have to attend. So I have to still make sure I have certain things for my personal life to keep continue to move. I understand that because I do too. And I talked about that earlier on the call. I would love to be out there protesting, but there's COVID-19. I could get hurt too. And I still have a life I have to leave. So, but I'm doing stuff behind the scenes. I'm doing, you know, volunteering for the Democratic Party, whatever. So whatever you could do, even if it's just being supportive and being able to talk about it and be open, I think that to me, that's fine. I don't need people to, I don't need you to overreact to try to prove right. your, um, to try to prove that you are not racist. Just be you. And if you, if being you is not enough for me, then I understand. Me, just me being me is not enough for you, then we don't have to do this. But I don't want you to overreact because that's annoying as fuck. You know? I'm just wondering, Ramon. Excuse me. I'm just wondering in that moment when he said that he um, was asking if you were mad that he was not protesting. Can I ask if you, you know, challenge him on what it is that he wants to do to help? Because no. I think that that's a bigger conversation there as well, um, especially when it comes to using a privilege, a privilege that he might not even recognize that he has, but still does to have it. So I did not. And so. And let me just that's a good thing. That's a good. That's actually a good thing. Because here's the other thing that, that you don't. I'll, I'll give a case more today. I got so tired of the, the, the black folks today making fun of the senators with the Kente Claus um, stoles on. I mean, I saw somebody go, oh, this is pandering at its best. No, bitch, they're trying to show you some damn support, and, that's, and this is not enough. You know, like, like sometimes as black people, like, sometimes shit just is never enough for us. Yeah, like, I didn't, I wasn't offended. There are some Nigerians who look at my black ass with this fucking dashiki on. Like, that motherfucker ain't from Africa. He's culturally appropriating. I've had conversations with some of my Nigerian friends, and they hate when black people from America wear they shit. Well, they asked for part of selling us out to Americans, okay? Let's be clear about that. Some of them, some of our people <laughs> sold us to the slave masters and got rid of them. Let's be clear about that. So, but, but, my point, but my point is, when you talk about pandering and cultural appropriation, like, I didn't. I was very proud, honestly, to see Nancy Pelosi and her kid. Uh, so, like, I got a little misty. Wait like, a oh minute. God, what? I'm about to Google this right now. Nancy Pelosi and a kid take club. Now that the whole the, the whole fucking Senate and kid take club bent down on their knee and niggas mad. Wait, when is that? When did that happen? I'm, I'm gonna need you. To, I'm gonna need y'all to watch MSNBC and not CNN. <laughs> I am behind. I am way behind. Look at this. See, I didn't even see this earlier. And it's on CNN. It popped up right on CNN. I don't see it yet. But I mean, but people are mad. People are mad about that. So like when your old ass can't get back up off that floor. (laughs) But yeah, but people are mad about that. I'm like, y'all just need to go somewhere and shut the fuck up. Like, I did not have a problem with that. And that's just me personally. If you got a problem with it, that's fine. But I didn't have a problem with it. But like with your friend, like, like, what is he expected to do? You know, my whole thing with white people and their privilege, I tell people all the time, we all walk in some layer or level of privilege. Like, I walk in straight male privilege all the time. You know, I, work in, I walk in male privilege all the time. You know, but that ain't got shit on white male privilege, but it does have a lot on female privilege and queer privilege all the time. So, like, don't, and I tell people all the time, don't, I don't want you to give up your privilege for real. 
Just use that shit for good. Like, talk to your racist ass grandma. If they gra- Nina, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's all I meant when I said that. When I said that, it's like, yeah, I mean, them wearing these kente cloths mean a little bit of something. It's a it's a show of uh, demonstration, but Dirty. is the conversation over? Like, the conversation is right. not over. Like, when they're sitting down at dinner with their racist ass 80-year-old auntie, are they being like, sorry, Aunt June, you really, I mean, you really shouldn't be them thinking niggas, about them. Them niggas made me win it. <laughs> yeah, like, they exactly. Like, don't don't go back and be like, oh, no, it was just like a ploy. Like, don't, like, t- don't turn the conversation off is what I'm saying. Yeah. And if, if, if you're, if you're going to do it, do it true and true. When you see somebody acting a fucking fool, when you see one of these Karens out here, Stop them! Like I, I'm waiting for the day. Don't I see don't 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 fetishize the movement. Like don't yeah, fetishize don't fetishize the, the movement. Karen is getting mushed in her fucking head if I see her around here. Also, see that's what Karen covered because I was wondering because he sent me a video and he said I was he sent me a video and he said I was laughing my ass off at Karen and I was like. I saw the video and that was the one I talked about earlier where it was the Mexican lady slapped the shit, the dog shit out of this white lady. He called her Karen. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know her? He's like, no. no. She, she just looks like Karen is a movement. You need I to get, get on Karen's go wild. I get it. I get it. Oh, but he was like, he sent me this video and he was like, this bitch deserved every slap. She, she, he's like, this bitch deserved a slap. And he was he's oh, like, y'all be getting me out of jail. Y'all, y'all be getting my ass out of jail. My foot was still being high ass. Because yeah, he, because he was in her face talking about something. You going back to Mexico? So I'm like, whoa. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I am in the process of getting to know somebody, and I want the natural course of getting to know each other to occur. I don't believe I'm confident he's not a racist person. I do believe that he has some sympathy for it. I don't know his level of engagement because he's <laughs> in school and he has he works as a nurse. He's got you know he's got a life that he's leading and. I completely understand he's exposed to risk every day at work with COVID-19 because he's in the fucking hospital with COVID-19. So, right. you know what I'm saying? And I get it. He doesn't want to be hurt on the front line because that's just nice. Everybody's not a, a front line soldier. It's not what everybody's thing. So, Hell, I ain't been out there. Sure. I ain't been out there. I mean, I'm here. Yeah, I'm having it. So, I don't, I'm not, I don't think that I'm a fetish for him. I don't think that, you know, he doesn't, I've never heard him compare anything that his people go through to my people to try to minimize or whatever. I've never heard anything like that. He's just a person to me. And I don't think he's given, nor will he give me a reason to believe. I don't think he will give me a reason to think otherwise. He's just a person leading. He's like, I'm leading my life too. I drive an hour to work, work, I drive an hour back home, whatever. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't, if I asked him to do something, if it was able, if he could do it, I believe he would do it. But I don't want the center and the basis of what we're trying to build by dating to be, oh, you need to get on board. You need to do this. You need to do that. Now, I do believe, no. I very strongly believe that if someone around him, because we had this conversation, if someone around him were being racist and bigoted or whatever, I do believe he would speak up. He's a feisty little something. I do believe that he would speak up and say some very strong things to that person, but to get them to think a little bit and then when they got flipped, he'd get flipped too. But you know what I'm saying? I think that he he's that person. I do believe he would say something like, I don't agree with that. That's fucked up. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's what you want. That, so, but, yeah. I don't, but I'm not about to say, okay, if you're not down with this, you're not out there marching. If you're not this, I think you're fetishizing me. You did that, da, 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 da. At least, at least make sure he registered to vote. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, and if he, you know, say I, and I, I had to ask him. I was like, you know, do you support Donald Trump? He said, 
fuck no. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, well, yeah. you good. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just, I think it's it gets kind of challenging because, like, my other friend, she mentioned, she's like, you know, with what's going on, it, it just looks fucked up that you were dating a white person. I'm like... I don't think so. I don't agree with that. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I don't I, agree with that. Know, and I was like... <sighs> Well, I understand why some people could think that, but I don't personally think that, but I understand why some people could think that because it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like that fine line, like with all this going on and you want to, and it's not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, it's not for me. I know it's not about me trying to forget where I came from because I'm very rooted in where I came from. I'm very much me and me is a black gay dude. So it's, you know what I'm saying? It's really, it just so happened that this individual, right caught my attention and is giving me an energy that I needed and I wanted for a long time. Ramon, let let me say this though and and I guess we had an hour and 13 minutes and we we can make our way to the end. But you know, that's just like even with the election of President Obama, like I got really tired of black people talking about, you know, we did this with you. We are 13% of the population and probably like 5% of us vote. There's no way that Barack Hussein Obama could have been president of these United States without white people. Without white people, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, I, and I'm not trying to give them too much credit, but I mean, like, literally, you know, sometimes, I mean, I love all my allies. I love my straight friends who appreciate and support me as I am. I love my white friends who appreciate me and support me as I am. There are some black people I don't fuck with because they're homophobes. And there are some white people I don't fuck with because they're racist. So, you know, like, when I when we all use generalized terms, if I say white people this black, I'm not talking about all of them. I'm right. talking about the ones that are problematic that fit the descriptor that I that I said. Mm-hmm. And I think people need. And sometimes if if you if that makes you feel uncomfortable, you need to sit in that discomfort for a minute. Like That's anytime true. I say something about white people, and I when not all white people are like sit in your discomfort, Karen, and shut the fuck up for a minute. I want you to feel uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable in this country I'm every fucking day. Too. I'm yeah. uncomfortable every day. So you need to sit in your discomfort for a minute and then we can see about trying to figure out how we can make this shit work. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally support you. I mean, I, I'm here for it, you know. Yeah, I think it's great. And I, be, I still think Carl brought some really, really good points and just some things to consider because it's like, okay, you know, I have to sit back and think about it. Like, well, do I think this? And I, and I analyze it because any intellectual going to analyze the shit like, is it that? Is it, and then I see any signs of that, but I don't see signs of a lot of things like the fetishizing and the you know, forgetting where I come from or, you know, trying to have, you know, Euro guilt by taking a black dick or whatever you say. I don't know. I will reiterate what I said was um, <laughs> that it was um, this European guilt and the same thing. The European guilt is the same thing that's happening right now after George Floyd. And when these protests ignited, it was I was getting reached out to by all these uh, European friends that I had that I hadn't talked to in years. It's like, oh, my God, how are you doing? How are you doing during this time? And it's like, you know, there's this really good video that's going around. I don't know if you follow the lady with the bald head, black woman with the bald head on Instagram. She goes mm-hmm. off all the time. She always has like her words captioned. I don't know why. You send me a link. Huh? You send I'll me a link. I'll send you a link, but it was, I guess, over this girl, I guess she was, it was a response to this girl, Haley, um, young little white girl who I guess had posted on Instagram about how she was arguing at the dinner table with her family about why Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. The lady was like, stop the conversation right there. The fact that you are sitting at the dinner table discussing whether or not a human being's life is value 
based uh, comparative, comparatively to yours is a bigger issue. So like the yeah. thing is, I guess when I say that and this whole white guilt thing is that Haley went and, you know, went in defense and thought that she was doing all of this, you know, and is that all what of it said about people not being happy about no matter what, because Haley thought she was doing something right to at least try to educate her own people and say, you stupid as fuck. All lives matter or black. Yeah. Lives matter. But is that somebody's that is that us just not being happy with no no matter what people do for us or that well it's just not being satisfied with what they did. So I guess happy to say it could be a different adjective, but it's still an you agree with her? You agree with the bald lady about I her? agree with the bald absolutely because it's it's an efficacy of it all. If it's not if if because with her fighting for Black Lives Matter, it just looks like she's fighting for this trending agenda versus mm. her actually saying, guys, we are talking about lives. We're talking about black people being killed by cops. Why aren't we doing something more? Versus saying, oh, Black Lives Matter, mom, you just don't understand. Or mom might not even understand because this might just be an internet thing. Okay, let me ask this, and this is where, so did we hear the conversation that Haley had with her white family? Yeah, apparently, I didn't see the post, but apparently it was posted. <laughs> That's why she was able to post about it. Let me say this, Carl. We, this might be the first time we diverge on opinions. And I don't know how I feel about this. But, I mean, for me, that goes back to niggas not being satisfied. Because I saw the little girl, and I was like, yeah, get your mama in check. Get her and ass together. And I think maybe because of her age, she didn't really have the words or the language to really mm-hmm. to really communicate. Maybe but she the just fact came woke. Oh, she's right, she's yeah. weekends to... Yeah, she was young, and she wasn't totally woke yet. But I think a lot of times we slam white people for trying to do the right thing because they don't do the way that we want them to do, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be around my straight friend listening to them talking about Dwayne Wade and his daughter. You know, I'm gonna, I might not have the words that would satisfy what the trans community want me to say, but I do understand the value of that child's life. I understand the love, the uh, unconditional love that the parent has for them, and I may not have the right words. Like even when I did not conforming brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's just a lot for me you don't sometimes to use that third person pronoun in the in the in the plural. I still don't like, use the wrong way. I struggle with all that. The time. I, I do some more work to understand those pronouns. Yeah, I look like yeah. It, 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 it's, it's difficult for me. So you know, I think sometimes I think sometimes we can be overly critical. Um, but I saw that video and I thought it was okay. Let me let me put this in the. Have y'all heard of the Lincoln Project? No, the Lincoln okay. Project. Yeah, with Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln? Yes. Yeah. Go to so. YouTube, and there are a bunch of um, uh, commercials made by Republicans, and you are going to get all of your life. Because when I tell you they go all the way in on 45, they go all the way in on that ass, and I live. I was with some friends of mine Saturday night trying to get drunk. We watched almost a whole hour of commercials made by Republicans and was like, yes, this is what y'all should have been saying four years ago, bitches. Like, this is what you should have been saying. So... If you need a little light, a little joy, go to YouTube and check out. Yeah. Go to YouTube. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's on go YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Go to YouTube and check it out. You're gonna get all your life. Cause they run they run through they run through some shit. So look, what are we gonna do this again? Cause this was actually fun. I enjoyed <laughs> this. And I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna tell you what. I hope crowd enjoyed it. I mean, I lied earlier when I said it was so easy to get in morning. I had to threaten him with 
lacks of stuff that he likes and <laughs> doing stuff that he doesn't like. There's a lot of stuff to with and he's like, I he looks wonderful as always. Carl has never looked crazy to me. He always, he's, he always keeps himself My hair looks quarantined. My hair looks a fool. Okay, you don't have it. You look wonderful. And I look, that's why I put on this bandana because I know I'm looking crazy. I haven't had a haircut since... I, since PCE, that's what I call pre-COVID era. I've had right. a PCE, and so I look crazy. And I'm hosting on Thursday night, looking crazy. So, yeah, I'm I'm game for the shit. We can do this monthly. We can do this. You know, I don't know how often, Carl. You want to do it? it sounds great yeah. to me. Monthly would be great because we are busy. So once a month, we can get together and have this conversation. Bring more people in, Carl. I don't know. I'm not gonna speak for you. You can speak for yourself. Well, I was just gonna say I would love to do this. I mean, I'm doing lots of these things lately. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure all of us are are doing this a lot of these things lately, and it's it's motivating, it's reinvigorating. Um, but this is the last, like my final Jerry Springer thought, I guess, is you know, things would change, climate could change if our European counterparts were doing just this. Are they sitting on a Zoom call and instead of talking about what we're gonna do for the kids' birthday, are we sitting around talking about us black people mattering to them but you know for the long and short of it all i don't think we are and that's that's part of the problem and that's you know why i i bring up the things and push back when Haley is talking to her parents because she doesn't have the right words yet right. but it's like girl you can inform yourself in any other way go get the right words get on youtube and find the right words don't make this just the trend. You're a real catty bitch right now. Let this little girl learn how to say what she got to say. I think I want her to. I want her to. I want her to do it for the right reasons. I want her to do it not because What kind of car she's going to get for her 16th birthday? She probably doesn't have the right words for that either, but she's trying. I think if in a few years we see Haley again and she's not doing it right, okay, well then let's let's find. Haley gonna be like this, <laughs> right? She's gonna be like this. Let Haley be like Haley should be like that. Let Haley no. be like that. My priority plot then is yes. Let's do this again in a month from now. This is fucking amazing. It's a lot of fun stuff we could talk about. A lot of serious stuff we could talk about because this shit's gonna be going on. Let's tackle oh, religion. I, I, I oh, really this, think. Ooh, I, yeah, I religion. A Caucasian person in. So maybe we can bring a Caucasian person in in two months. Next month can be religion, and then two months. He's just trying to get his boyfriend in. I talked to white people. Exactly. I know him. I know Ramon. He trying to get this boy on this call. That's fine. Oh no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't come. He's very shy. You know, he's really shy. He probably wouldn't come out and talk about it. Um, but I, there are some people that I probably could get. But you know, he he's really shy. So make sure. You guys come and check us out on the Brother to Brother Lockdown. LGBT Detroit is the organization that puts it on. It's a fantastic organization. We got Curtis Lipscomb over there and Jaron Totten. I host the conversation. Tony Kristen Walker is always there every week with something very amazing to say. We, I, I mean, I'd be ready to go. Like we did on this show tonight, I'd be so ready to go in all the time with him conversation. So come check out the Brothers and Brother Lockdown on every Thursday night at eight o'clock. LGBT Detroit on Facebook. Uh contact any of us and get the link. We'll give it to you, okay? All right. All right, man. Y'all be easy. All right. Thanks, Tony. All right, thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.